This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. The topic for today is going to be the difference, the differences between spiritual joy and earthly happiness. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Amen. So, I was thinking this afternoon, or I should say the inspiration came to me, thanks to, the, to our Lord and His Blessed Mother. And honestly, this particular thought had been running through my mind ever since I started getting serious about um, my Catholicism. Um, when I joined the Vatican II sect, um, when I still thought that the Vatican II sect was God's Catholic Church, um, I took it seriously, as I do, and I started reading up on spiritual things. And one of the themes that runs through the... Vatican II sect um oh I don't know what you would call it um it, uh, it's a theme it's it's one of their themes is is how there are no unhappy saints and even both of my priests of both of my um, my parishes the one who taught me in RSCA and the one who was my parish priest at my last parish when I was a Vatican II sect member always used to talk about well, there's no you know there are no unhappy saints everything is happy happy joy joy now, at the time, being ignorant, um, I had two reactions. Well, I had one main reaction. Because I had never, I, I, I did not really understand the history of the Catholic Church and the, the millions upon millions of martyrs it has produced. And because I hadn't read any of the saints themselves... Um, I was unaware, and I will get into this in, in a few minutes, that being a saint will bring you spiritual joy, but not earthly happiness. And like I said, I'll get into that. But my initial reaction, um, and you have to bear in mind my context, I had had, as far as I was concerned, a miserable life. And then privately, I was thinking to myself, if I'm being honest, well, this doesn't sound um, 
doable. This doesn't sound doable to me. I knew enough that the Saints had to make a lot, they had to give up a lot of their worldly, um, their, their legal, in, in the, the church's way, their legal joys. And I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, I've, you know, I've been hammered by life. Um, how does giving up all your, the things that make you happy, which are legal, i.e. football, uh, moderate drinking, um, and the rest of it, you know, movies, um, video games, how does that, how is that going to make me, um, happier? You know, um, my attitude was these things make me happy. And if I'm going to become a saint, I have to give these things up. I mean, if I am serious about my intentions, I want to make that clear. I'm thinking to myself, well, no, I did, that, that makes no sense. And when I got serious about my Catholicism last year, I, I, I came to the realization You know, through our Lord and our Lady. By the way, just a quick disclaimer. Whenever I say I came to the realization, whenever, whenever I say anything, period, anything, just keep in the back of your mind when I say these things. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying me personally. I'm saying through the inspiration of our Lord and His Blessed Mother. Anyway... So, I came to the realization that um, it's not about me and it's not about my happiness. Um, my duty is, to, and it is a duty, if, if you're serious, my duty is to my Lord and His Blessed Mother. What, you know, my happiness or lack of it, it has nothing to do with it. And I, because I, because now I'm a little better about, you know, reading up on the spiritual lives and the writings of the saints, there is a theme that runs through them. And I'm talking about, obviously, the pre-Vatican II saints, where they talk about spiritual joy. And... Thanks to the help of the saints and our blessed Lord and His Mother, I've come to the realization when the Vatican II sect talk about there are no unhappy saints, they're talking in a worldly happiness fashion. And this is one of the ways that the Vatican II sect misleads and miseducates its members because there's a difference between the spiritual and the temporal and the way the Vatican II sect uh, purposely misleads its members is by taking a spiritual concept and turning it 
you know, giving it a secular turn. And this is why Sedvacantis um, distrust the Vatican II sect, and for good reason. Because if you read the writings of the uh, true Catholic Church prior to the Vatican II Council, you come to the realization that 98% of the time, whenever the author is referring about anything or is teaching about anything, it's from the spiritual perspective, not the, not the earthly, not the worldly. But what the Vatican II sect does is it takes something like spiritual joy and secularizes it to earthly happiness. Now, to get to the topic of what I'm going to about, uh, the topic of today's uh, episode, a lot of people, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what true happiness is because everything's been secularized. If, if you were to talk, and honestly speaking, it, you know, it could be a, a total secular person it could be a Protestant, it could be a Vatican II sect member, it could even be a set of a contest, I'm really sorry to say. If you ask them, well, what's happiness? Well, happiness is finding the right spouse, and having lots of kids, in the case of the set of contest or the uh, neotrads, and having that nice job that gives me the shite. The, the bright, shiny stuff, you know, the car, the house, the, the appliances, the, the TVs, you know, the, the vacation houses, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, in the case of the younger crowd, comics, video games, movies, books, secular books. It doesn't matter. And that's not, that's misapprehending what true happiness is. Now, this particular subject, and I hope and pray, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, I do this justice. True happiness is serving our Lord and His Blessed Mother to the best of our abilities, no matter what the circumstances are. And if we're doing that with the right intentions, and I repeat, with the right intentions and the right mindset and the right attitude, we will, we will receive spiritual joy. And there's a difference. But I want to go in a little bit about the secular conception of happiness. If you talk to anyone, or most people, not, not anyone, but most people, they will tell you that happiness is the absence of pain. Oh, and while I'm at it, I used to give this disclaimer a lot. I've fallen out of the habit, but I think it would behoove me to try to get back into the habit. Everything that I'm talking about or have talked about, I am either guilty of right now or have been guilty of in the past, I am not standing on a soapbox waving my finger at people. I am just giving 
my observations and hopefully giving you guys a new perspective on things. End of disclaimer. So a lot of people are under the, you know, under the secular conception of happiness is, is happiness is the absence of pain. And the reason I gave the disclaimer, obviously I fell into that camp at one time. And I'm sorry to admit that it took me up until recently to get out of that delusion. And that's what it is. It's a delusion. Because you can't live your life. I don't care how secular you are. You can't, you can't, you could, you could do ecstasy, crack, heroin, coke, uh, meth. It doesn't matter. You're never going, you're always going to have some sort of pain in your life. That's just the nature of life. That goes back to what I'm saying is God's purpose or I'm, yeah, God's purpose for putting us on earth is to prepare us for heaven. In order to prepare us for heaven, we have to suffer. Some people, it is true, some people suffer more than others. But that's not necessarily means that God's a sadist and he hates you. That just means that you may need a little extra pain in your life in order to be worthy of heaven. And once again, heaven is not a privilege. Uh, God help you if you're under that delusion that somehow or another you deserve heaven. You don't deserve crap. None of us do. We deserve what our Lord feels we deserve. Heaven's no different. Heaven's no different. And for my more secular listeners out there, I want to I wanna use this metaphor if you go into a nightclub that has a dress code and has a bouncer that says yay or nay, whether or not you can get into that nightclub, you're going to prepare if you really want to get into that nightclub and you know dance with all the hotties, you're going to make yourself prepared because getting, you know, in your mind, getting into that nightclub is going to make you happy and it's a privilege to be there. Now you may not, uh, you may not um, um, consciously think it's a privilege, but if you're willing to jump through those hoops to get into that particular nightclub, then whether you know it or not, you consider it a privilege. Just like using my own personal example, I thought that. Being in the military was an honor, so I was willing to jump through our Masonic U.S. government's hoops to prepare myself to get into the military because it wasn't assured and it darn sure wasn't given. At any point from the time I signed the enlistment papers until I graduated from um, advanced training, somebody could have called me into their office and said, Hey, hey. You're, you're done. You failed. Here are your papers. Sign them. You're done. You're now a lowly civilian again. Anyhow. But, um, heaven is a privilege. And just as a quick aside, if more people viewed heaven 
more as a privilege than as a uh, uh, a right, then I think that, well, it's not a matter of think I know for a fact. We we would we we would not be in the the present fix we're in today. And it's amazing the hoops people will jump through, and I'm talking about secular hoops, to do crap that doesn't even really matter at the end of the day. But a, a lot of a lot of um, people think that. Happiness is doing what you like. That, oh, you like video games? Well, you're happy. Or, you know, some people are happy. You like movies? You're happy. Comics? Uh, pick, pick your hobby. Pick something that you enjoy. Um... And that includes the sinful stuff too. Now, for you seculars, I understand that you know you don't. You probably think that oh, that's not a sin. God, you know, God understands. If you even think that there's a God at all, um. But those of you who sleep around indiscriminately, and I can't throw stones there. Believe me. Um, that may be your hobby. And people think that this is happiness. It isn't. I mean, in, in the way present day society and culture are made, people are brainwashed into thinking, oh yeah, this is happiness. But, True and lasting happiness is not the distorted form it is taken. True and lasting happiness never goes away. I've had enough life experiences and I've known enough people that in the case of a drunk... You get drunk, but the next day you got to sober up with a hang. Well, depending on the person, with a hangover. Um, eventually, you have to stop reading the comic books, your favorite novels, or quit playing video games. And if you're the kind of person who likes to, what we used to call back in the day, have recreational sex, eventually you get tired of the person you're with and you want to move on. Hello, divorce rates. Um, true and lasting happiness never ends. That's the whole concept of heaven. Because in heaven, if we're blessed enough to make it, and I'm including myself in this, don't get it twisted, people. I'm under no illusions that I'm, that I'm you know, getting into heaven. Um, but... Heaven itself is eternal happiness, true happiness, because it never 
ends. Oh, and as far as secular happiness goes, if you like to, you know, buy stuff. If you like to buy stuff. Little knickknacks or little action figures or whatever. Well, eventually you either run out of money or you put the put whatever it is you wanted at that time when you bought it, probably overpaid for it, once you put it on the shelf, eventually you're going to forget about it. If you don't forget about it, the initial joy of buying the thing is going to wear off. You may, you may enjoy the little thing that you bought, but it's not going to bring you the same pleasure that it did when you saw it online or in the store or whatever and you bought it. Anyhow, heaven is true happiness forever, eternity. It never ends because we are reunited with our Creator and His Blessed Mother. And just uh, to hammer home the point I'm trying to make, if you've done your spiritual reading, and I'm mainly talking about set of a contest, you will understand that God is love itself. He is the very definition of love. Now, I'm not claiming while we're here on earth, because I'm still trying to wrap my, my mind around this myself, that imagine for eternity, for forever, being in the presence of love itself, not the secularized corruption of love that our culture and society gives us, but the, 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 the as we used to say back in the day, the actual article himself forever it never ends that is why people voluntarily attempt to become saints because they come to the realization and this realization is spiritual It's spiritual at its, at its foundation that at best, barring, you know, something bad happening to them, they may only have, depending on the person, between 60 to 75 and, you know, maybe slightly longer after that, but that's not many people on this earth. And that it's senseless to chase after goods that, number one, when you die, you can't take it with you. Now, for people my age, I know the leftists used to throw that around a lot. Hey, can't take it with you. But as I've said previously on previous episodes, even, even a, a, a progressive or a, a secular Anybody can be right for the wrong reasons, as I like to say. And in this case, they were right but for the wrong reasons. Because you can't take this stuff with you. 
if you buy the latest Tesla and you die of a heart attack that night, they're not going to, well, <laughs> depending on how rich you are, you, you pretty much can't get buried in your new car. However, let's just say you're Bill Gates and you can get buried in your new car. Well, guess what? Where Bill Gates is going, he can't take the car with him. Or if he buys a, if you buy a $10,000 suit or a $10,000 dress, you can get buried in it, but you're not, you know, where you're going, you can't take it with you. So at the end of the day, they're right for the wrong reasons. However, that is why people embark on sainthood. Because they realize that the things of this earth, the things according to our culture and society that we should make that should make us happy, we end up dying. If you're handsome or if you're beautiful, okay, you'll get a lot of attention. Whether unwanted or not, it's up to the individual. But eventually you're going to grow old. Pick any uh, person that you find absolutely gorgeous, male or female, depending on who you are, Eventually, that person, if they're allowed to get old enough, they're going to lose their looks. If Marilyn Monroe hadn't died of a quote-unquote drug overdose, well, Marilyn Monroe at 70 would not look like the Marilyn Monroe at 20. It's called aging. Now, am I saying that uh, there aren't some women in their, you know, between 60 and 80 who aren't attractive? No, I wouldn't make the argument. What I am saying, though, is their looks at 80 were not the same as they were at 20. I, I, I bet good money on that. And by the way, for you uh, snarks out there, um, without plastic surgery... That's another thing that um, I inwardly chuckle at when I see these aging, um, wealthy women who get plastic surgery done after the age of, well, any, any, any age, really, but especially the older ones, like my age, who get the plastic surgery and dress like little 20-year-old girls so that um, they can keep their youth. There is no keeping your youth. That's part of life. You can do all the plastic surgery you want to. Your looks are going to fade. Anyhow, and, and as far as the looks go, Even if you, even if you die, oh, I'm sorry, everybody's going to die. So it's not even if you die, but when you die, you could be absolutely dropped that gorgeous. If you go to hell, your looks are gone. <laughs> Anybody who's read about how your looks are gone. Okay. 
And if you get to heaven, I have no first-hand experience with this, obviously, but I've been told that in your glorified body, if you're blessed to get to heaven, you are going, you're not going to be quite as uh, beautiful as our Blessed Mother because our Blessed Mother is the most beautiful human being on earth. Or that has ever existed. Let me take that back. That has ever existed. But in your glorified body, because you have been freed from the taint of original sin, which does affect our physical bodies while we're on earth, in your glorified body, you are going to be the most beautiful person, the most beautiful iteration of yourself possible. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. So... People, most people, they spend their entire lives chasing after something while ignoring the larger picture and honestly the larger point, which is that we're not meant for earth and if if we're wise, we come to the realization that eventually we got to die. And we should prepare for that. But they spend their lives, however long they get, chasing after stuff that isn't going to last and they can't take it with them where they're going. Now, that leads me to spiritual joy. Now, once again, Lord Jesus and Mother Mary, please help me to do this justice. Um, spiritual joy. And by the way, there are saints' writings on spiritual joy. I'm just going to give my understanding of it. Once again, for those of you autists out there, this is my understanding. So take it for what it's worth. Spiritual joy, first of all, it's the wisdom, it's having God's wisdom so that you can see below the earthly surface of day-to-day -day existence and you will have an understanding of God's wisdom on a very intimate and fundamental level. What do I mean by this? What I mean is, if you have spiritual wisdom, no matter what happens to you while you're on earth, no matter what happens, um, you lose your job, you go bankrupt, and you and your family have to move out of the nice, comfortable house you're living in and maybe move into an apartment and you may, may or may not have to take a crappy job which you didn't want to do in order to support your family, but you're still happy because you realize at the end of the day, this 
you know, even if you if you die and never never move up economically again, your reward's in heaven. That's the bottom line. And so you're happy. Genuinely happy. Or if you really love your spouse and they leave you, divorce you, your um You're genuinely happy because um, you're genuinely happy because you realize it's temporary. Now, in the case of Sedipacontis, if you are married to a fellow Sedipacontis and they divorce you, if you're following uh, pre-Vatican II teachings, you can't get remarried. But the love of God is going to help you carry you, carry you through. And that reminds me, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, of another thing. If you are spiritually wise, you will come to the realization that even when something bad happens to you, and there, you know, for whatever reason, it's something that's not that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life, you're going to be able to live with it for two reasons. Number one is, it's temporary. Your true happiness is in heaven. But two, that God did this out of love for you. And you may not be able to understand it. It's not our job to understand that this is for your benefit. This is for your larger spiritual benefit. This is why I always say, it is not up to us to know God's will. Or, I'm sorry, the reasons for why God does the way he does things. It is up to us to accept his will as it happens. Um, spiritual joy also is knowing, not infallibly, not while we were on earth, and the Catholic Church doesn't teach this. Um, that's the heresy of Calvinism. But having a hope, a true and honest hope, that if we die, or I'm sorry, when we die, we are going to heaven. Like I said, not infallibly sure, but a hope. Um, I believe that hope is one of the theological virtues. I think it's fa um, charity, faith, and hope are the three theological virtues. But part of spiritual joy is realizing or having hope of salvation, of getting into heaven. Um, spiritual joy also, and this, this is part of having the wisdom of God, is realizing, having the true realization that, well, I've already, I've already said that, you know, 
Heaven is going to be the realization of true happiness. But it goes a little deeper than that. And in case I haven't made this clear, heaven is also having true unity with our Lord and His Blessed Mother. Now, when the saints write about spiritual joy, everything that I just mentioned is part of spiritual joy. But when the saints talk about spiritual joy, if you read authors like St. Teresa of Avila, she's the one that sticks in my mind. She wrote in one of her spiritual books that when God's presence would unite with her soul, they call it a spiritual ecstasy. And I know it's tough given the... the, the, the uh, society and culture we live in today to separate the word ecstasy from what it's been perverted into, you'll just have to bear with me. She said when she would go into her ecstasy from having the indwelling of God's presence in her soul, that she wanted to die right then and there and just be with God forever. Now, I want to explain the concept of that. The concept of that, of, of the spiritual indwelling of God within your soul, is you get a taste of heaven. A complete and unadulterated taste in heaven. For however long God sees fit to give it to you, as kind of like a spiritual encouragement to keep fighting the spiritual battle so that you know implicitly what you are working for. And um, some spiritual writers, if I'm not mistaken, call this um, shoot, Father Bernard Utley had the expression, um, I, I can't remember the word that the spiritual writers use. It's not important. I mean, it's important in the spiritual life. I'm just saying for the sake of this episode, my remembering the title of it, you know, as long as you guys grasp the concept of what I'm trying to get at here, that's what's important. Um, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. There were some saints who would go into this spiritual ecstasy you know, they'd be in prayer and they'd go in the spiritual ecstasy of union with God in their soul. And when the abbot or the abbess, the, 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 the man or lady who ran the monastery or the uh, convent would come and say, hey, you know, pound on the door. Hey, come on. We got to do our chores. You've been in there for eight hours. 
they would beg the abbot or the abbess, hey, just give me, give me another hour, please. That's, <laughs> um, the saints are blessed in many, many ways. But could you imagine how blessed it would be if God came into your soul and united in your soul himself, let's just say for five minutes. And in those five minutes, on earth, not until you get to heaven, but on earth, you could experience the joys of heaven for five minutes. I'd be willing to, I'd be willing to bet a large sum of money that if that ever did happen, that the person it happened to would want to be a saint. You know, they would do everything within their power at that moment so that they could keep that forever. Because in case this hasn't become clear, this spiritual ecstasy is what eternity will be like if you are if you're blessed to get into heaven. Graced and blessed, I might add. Never ending ecstasy. And once again, I'm not talking about the shallow superficial earthly conception of ecstasy. I'm talking about true ecstasy. And that's another thing too. If you were blessed to get into heaven, everything that you've ever experienced on earth that you thought was pleasurable, that you really enjoyed, a good meal, a nice scotch, a great movie, play, novel, those things are going to seem like a pile of filthy rags compared to the true to true to the true sorry I'm having a hard time explaining this to our Lord who is love itself the very definition of love being in his presence for eternity with no earthly corruption to keep you from experiencing these joys. So, and unfortunately, not everybody gets to get that. But with the spiritual joy aspect, if you're trying to be pious and devout, the worst thing about trying to be, you know, unite yourself spiritually with our Lord and the Blessed Mother is, is that you will have, a, you will, you should get a deeper spiritual understanding. And if you, if you do get the deeper spiritual understanding and wisdom, you will under. It will give you the knowledge necessary to, to help you get to your death of what's really important. Because that's why I, 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 
in my own clumsy way, I've been trying to tell people, um, once you realize what's really important, whatever else happens in your day-to-day -day existence, you're indifferent to. That's what is known as holy indifference. When, you know, if they were to drop a nuke right now on whatever town or city you live in, if you're in the proper spiritual mindset, you don't care. Because you have hope. Now, obviously dropping a nu nukes dropping is a very extreme example. I grant you. But think of what, whatever the, the worst thing that you think could ever happen to you. Or, if you've led an interesting life like I have, think back to the worst thing that ever happened to you in your past regardless of how long it lasted and realize when you if you get the, the proper spiritual understanding and wisdom that not only was that for your betterment but that it doesn't matter at the end of the day because if you're able to be blessed to get into heaven all that is going to be just a vague memory if it's a memory at all I don't claim to be an expert on heaven. That's why I'm trying to get there. I kind of, I'm interested in finding what it's like. You know, um, I'd really like to meet our Lord and our Lady um, face to face and be with them for eternity. So, even if you are not blessed enough to have union, spiritual union, with the Spirit of God, if you, if you have um, spiritual wisdom and you're, you know, you're attempting as best as you can the spiritual life, it will help you get to the end. Now here's the disclaimer. When I say this, what I'm saying is one of our duties or um, one of our duties is that we have to we have to keep we have to keep at it. It's not enough to try it, oh I don't know, a year or two. You have to do it till you die. But it's, it's one of God's graces and blessings. Because once you get your, your, your literal priorities straight and you understand what your priorities should be, it'll make... I'm, I'm not, that, that, that's why at the beginning of this episode I made a distinction between uh, the secular conception of happiness and spiritual joy I'm not saying that you're going to have a bed of sunshine and roses. However, it will help you to endure. It will help you to endure until the very end, no matter how grim the end may be. So, I think that that covers it. I thank you. Oh, let me catch that. 
Um, I hope and I pray, I really do. Um, out of everything I've ever done up until this episode, I I always hope and pray that it that you find it um, edifying. I out of everything I've ever done, I hope and pray that you will find this edifying. Because this, as far as I'm concerned, this episode is the reason. Not only is it the reason, it is literally the summation of why I've been, what I've been talking about low these many episodes. And the summation of what, why I talk about what I talk about on my episodes. And I hope and pray that it, somebody gets edified by this. So, thank you for listening. I pray for you all. And I do want to see as many people get to heaven as possible. I do. So, God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.